2 Kings chapter 2. The New Living Translation reads, When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were traveling from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to Bethel. Everyone say Bethel. But Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went down together to Bethel. There was a group of prophets from Bethel, and there they came to Elijah and they asked him, did you know that the Lord is going to take your master away from you today? Of course I know, Elisha answered, but I need you to be quiet about it. Then Elijah said to Elisha, stay here for the Lord has told me to go to Jericho. Everyone say Jericho. But Elisha replied again, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went on together to Jericho. And then there were a group of prophets from Jericho and they came to Elisha and they asked him, did you know that the Lord is going to take your master away from you today? Of course I know, Elisha answered. But I need you to stop instigating, just be quiet about it. Then Elisha said to Elisha, stay here for the Lord has told me to go to the Jordan River. Everyone say Jordan River. But again, Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went on together. And then there were 50 men from the group of prophets. They also went and they watched from a distance. Everyone say a distance. They watched from a distance. As Elijah and Elisha stopped by the Jordan River, then Elijah folded his cloak. He folded it up so it became a staff. He folded up his jacket so that it became a staff. He folded up his jacket so that it became like a staff. And he struck the water with it. The river then divided. And the two of them walked across the Jordan on dry land. When they came to the other side, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken away? And Elisha replied, please, please let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. I want some of your champion spirit. Is anybody, does somebody want to be a champion? He says, he says, let me inherit a double portion of your spirit and become your successor. Let me inherit your spirit. People should want your spirit. You should have the type of spirit that people say, I want a spirit similar to yours. He says, let me inherit your spirit, not just your spirit, but I want to take your place as the prophet. 
You have asked a difficult thing, my brother, Elisha replied. If you see me when I'm taking away from you, then you will get your request. But if not, then you won't. For a moment, I want to talk from the subject. We've got but a few minutes. I want to talk from the subject, a shadow calling. A shadow calling. The last time we hear from Elisha is about 1 Kings chapter 19. You know, on last week we talked from the fact that one day Eli, God told Elijah that I need you to go and I need you to go and anoint three people. Two of them are a king and one of them is a prophet. I need you to anoint him, although he's not going to immediately become what I've anointed him to be. And we talk from the fact that sometimes, you know, your, your, anointing, your anointing will never substitute your need for preparation. We talked about the fact that your destiny always needs to be developed. He was anointed for a position that he would not immediately assume. And then we understood that, that you mean to tell me that God, you can anoint me for a position and yet I won't readily occupy that position? You mean to tell me that champions aren't just born overnight? You mean to tell me that as Elisha, as the person you've anointed, I have to be a champion in training? And so we look at the text. We look at the text last week and we understood that Elisha was a champion in training. He agreed. We leave him at first Kings chapter 19 about about verse 21. We leave him when he makes the decision that he's going to leave his family. He's going to leave his life savings. The things that he can predict, the things that he understands, the things that he can see. He's going to leave all of these things, the stuff that he knows, the 401k. He's going to leave what he knows his comfort zone and he's now about to step out on faith but he thought maybe maybe if it was me he thought that stepping he thought he was stepping into a destiny he thought he was stepping into something that was going to make sense he thought that he was making a decision that was going to make him popular instead he was put in charge of taking out the trash. He was put in charge of washing the clothes. Elisha was put in charge of, of cleaning up after Elijah. Sometimes your destiny will not look pretty. We discover that he was hired to be his assistant. And that word assistant means that he was hired to do menial work. He was hired to do the things that the other prophets wouldn't dare do. He was hired to do humble work. He had the pedigree. He had the resume. He had the work ethic. And yet God anointed him but hired him to do something that had nothing in his mind to do with what he was supposed to be doing. Your destiny is not always attractive. So for eight long years, 
Elisha is walking behind Elijah doing menial work. All the while, his colleagues in Bethel and Jericho, the Jordan River, on the meanwhile, he's doing all of this humble work, but his colleagues are over there operating in their purpose. They're being prophets. And yet he's cleaning up behind the prophet. He's walking and yet there, there are prophets on the side who are watching him, the Bible says, from a distance. They're watching him and they're instigating. You know your, 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 your leader is about to leave. They're prophets, his colleagues, who are be, being the prophets that God has called them to do. But yet he's walking behind and he's cleaning up behind doing the menial work. And I was looking at this, at this text. You have to be careful because not everyone in your circle wants to be a champion. You see, some people, see, they, I don't mean that they don't like the idea of a champion, but some people in your circle don't want to do the work that it takes to become a champion. So what they would much rather do, they, they much rather watch from afar off. You got people in your circle who would much rather be on the sidelines and watch champions do what champions are supposed to do instead of getting in the game and becoming the champion that God has called them to become. The Bible said that the prophets were always on the sideline and they were always watching from a distance. I was looking at the text and I was, you much rather be in the game, becoming the person, becoming the champion that God has called you to become because at some point in your life, when we look at this text, you have to arrive at a place in your life where you must make a decision. Elisha, 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 Elisha. He arrives at this place in his life where he has to make a decision. Am I going to continue to pursue something more or am I going to blend in with the prophets on the sidelines? At some point in time in your life, you have to make a decision. Are you going to blend in or are you going to stand out? And so he, ha he, uh, he arrives at this point in his life. Nobody is forcing him to do anything. He arrives at a point in his life where his destiny has been in incubation for about eight years. He has been prepared for what God has for him. But at some point in time, he has to make the decision. Am I going to blend in with those people on the sideline and just do what we normally do? Or am I going to stop, walk by faith, and it's going to be terrifying, it's going to be painful, it's going to require something of me, but I'm going to step out on faith and step out and not blend in. You have to make, you have, you have to make, you have to make this decision. Because at some point in time, you have to take the risk of becoming that thing that you're avoiding. Eight years, eight long years. Imagine year one, I'm sure he had some regrets. Why am I doing this little work? I'm better than this. I mean, I'm anointed to be the prophet. I don't understand why God has me here. It does not make sense, Lord. I can't hear your voice. 
You mean I'm taking out trash? My hands are filthy. I'm tired. I ain't getting no sleep. I'm tired of the mood swings that Elijah has, but I got to pick up behind it. This does not make sense, Lord. I thought you had something better for me. I'm sure in year one, year two, year three, year eight comes. And, and he knew, he knew, he knew that the supporting, the supporting capacity in which God had him was expiring. He knew, he knew that there came a time where he, he was reaching his expiration date. He knew that there, that, that, that there was no real risk in being in the background serving in a shadow capacity. He knew, Elisha knew, that he could remain as that assistant in that assistant role. There was really no risk involved to it. There was really no faith required of it. He could remain because he knows the schedule. He knows it's nine to five. He gets up nine and goes down at five. He know, everything is predictable. He knew he could have remained there, but there's really no great sacrifice remaining in a shadow capacity. Because to become Elijah's successor, to become the successor of Elijah, it now means that he's responsible directly for cultivating those 50 prophets, the prophets in Bethel, those prophets in Jericho. He's now responsible for them growing. He's now responsible for them doing what they need to do because to become the successor meant it was going to require hard work. Someone say hard work. And I was reading Stephen Pressfield's book, Turning Pro, the one that, that inspired this particular series. And this is what he says about shadow calling. This is what he says. He says, when we are living as amateurs, we're running away from our calling, our work, our destiny, and the obligation to become our truest selves. To follow our calling requires work. It's hard. It hurts. It demands entering the pain of effort, risk, and exposure. So we take the amateur route instead. Instead of composing our symphonies, he says, we create a shadow symphony of which we ourselves are the orchestra, the conductor, the composer, and the audience. And he says, our lives become a shadow drama, a shadow startup company, a shadow so on and so on. See, a shadow calling is a false expression of who you really are. It looks like your destiny. It feels like your destiny. It sounds like your destiny. But it's just a shadow of who you're really supposed to be and what you're supposed to be doing. You can't live your life in the shadow of your calling. You can't live your life in the shadow of who you are supposed to become. At some point in time, you have to be able to get up and you have to take the risk. You know the risk. You know what you're trying to avoid. The shadow, the shadow calling because when you are hiding in the shadow, there's no real risk associated. See, when you're in your shadow, nobody sees if you fail. 
See, if you don't try and if you don't tell anybody what you're supposed to be doing, nobody holds you accountable because you're in your shadow. See, when you're hiding in the shadow of who you're supposed to be coming, there is no real sacrifice. I know if I get up at nine o'clock and I come back and I go to work and I come back, I'm going to get a paycheck. There is no real faith associated. But see, many of us see, see, when we go to college, we're taught to go to college and invest in a career that will produce us things that we can see. Not many parents would tell a child, I need you to go to college and do something that we really don't know if it's going to really produce you money. It's really going to produce you the type, the type of career that you want. It's going to require faith. I'm simply saying to you, your shadow will keep you bound. Because if anything, it's predictable. You know, you know, it's predictable. If you do this, you're going to get this. And so many of us were attorneys when we should be pastors. You have some people who are nurses when you should be an entrepreneur. You have some people who are avoiding what you know your heart's desire is because you don't know what it's going to produce. So you much rather stay in the comfort of your shadow your entire life. I'm simply saying you got to get out of your shadow. Look at your neighbor and say, get out of your shadow. Because God didn't call you to live in someone else's shadow. Amen, somebody. God didn't call you to live in that shadow. God didn't call you to be a carbon copy. God designed you with a specific purpose in mind and you cannot waste your life hiding in someone else's shadow. There is a shadow and that shadow is keeping you from becoming who God has called you to become at some point in your life. You got to face the fear. You got to step out on faith and you got to risk becoming who you're supposed to be. But I got a couple of points. I got a couple of points and I share with you and I bid you farewell. I know you got to go. It's 1040 already. So just give me a couple of points. A couple of points. I was looking at the text, right? I was looking at the text and there were a couple of things that stood out to me that would help us in this shadow calling. Help us to understand that how do I become, how do I become who God is calling me to become? I'm glad you asked that question because I'm supposed to give you the answers today. How do I become who God is calling me to become? If we look at the text, I'm looking at the text. I'm looking at the text. I know Keisha's probably not up there, so we can't pull the, can't pull the passage up there. But when you look at the text, something happens. We look at the text. Three different occasions, Elijah tried to get Elisha to stay behind so that he can go somewhere else. And on three different occasions, Elisha told Elisha, as God is my witness, I'm going to stay right beside you, brother. And he stayed there and he said, I will not leave you. Then his, then his friends, his friends, his friends, his friends, they, they were like, hey, you do know that your master is about to leave as if to indicate there is a transactional relationship. As if to indicate, well, you know he's leaving, so I don't know why you're remaining committed to him. I mean, you, he's about to go, so you need to find something else to do. And so they're reminding him that your master's about to go. And he keeps saying, I understand, but I'm going to remain committed to what God has called me to do. So what are you saying? Commitment breeds opportunity for God to produce a harvest through you. Your loyalty breeds opportunity. Your commitment breeds opportunity for God to produce a harvest through you. 
there were three different prophets. There were three different groups of prophets. And the Lord just showed me that this morning. I was like, I never knew that. I thought it was just one group of prophets. And there were about 50 of them that came from the group. No, he went to three different places. And each of these group of prophets had the same perspective. There was no reciprocity. I only get, I only just, you only get what you get. So if, if he's leaving, then you just need to leave too. No, no. God has called you to be committed. What I believe God was sharing in this passage, in this particular point, is that you have to be, and Elisha was committed to the man of God and the ministry that God was working through him. But get this. If you're going to make the most of what God has inside of you, you have to remain committed to your calling. In this text, it shows that Elisha is committed to what God has called him to do. There are new levels. There are new dimensions. There are new victories that God wants to, to bring you to, but he needs to know, are you committed? On three different occasions, Elijah tries to get him to remain behind, but Elisha wants him to know I'm committed to what God is trying to do in me. Whether or not you're leaving, I'm going to fulfill my commitment because we have a tendency to be half-hearted, but you cannot be a half-hearted champion. God is saying what he wants to do through you, you need to give your full commitment and stop giving a half-hearted commitment. You know, I'm never going to really give a full commitment. I'm never really going to sign up fully. And yet I want the position, but I don't want to give a full commitment. I want God to bless me, but I don't want to give all of who I am. And so here you have the man of God, Elisha, the champion in training, saying, I am going to be committed to the man of God and what God is doing through his ministry until the Lord says otherwise. You want God to bless you, but God will not bless inconsistency. You could take that home with you for free. And the, and the second thing, the second thing we gather is that your shadow career, your shadow calling is the enemy of your destiny assignment. Your shadow calling is the enemy of your destiny assignment. What are you saying? See, when you're in your shadow career, it provides you certainty, but it would never provide you fulfillment. Your shadow calling, what you're doing that pays the bills, that gives you your split level home, that gives you the money so you can pay your car note. Yeah, it provides you certainty, but it will never provide you fulfillment. It will pay the bills, but it will never fill the void. And so you have to make a decision. Do you want to live your life on the outside or do you want to champion what God has on the inside? Your destiny, your destiny assignment, it requires you to walk in some element of uncertainty, meaning you don't know how you're going to pay the bills. Yeah, I got my mom in out and she'll tell you, yeah, I made some decisions. She was like, I don't know what you got going on. I don't know what you're doing, but we're just going to go along with it because I, 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 it, how are you going to pay your bills? I don't know. 
Because faith doesn't always make sense. And so if you're going to operate in your destiny, you understand that it has to be some level of uncertainty. Stop expecting God to give you the full picture before you step out on faith. God is not limited to our expectations. The sooner you believe that, the sooner you understand that, the sooner you can begin to walk in your destiny. Because fear will have you settling. But get this. Fear will have you settling and working in a support capacity of someone who's doing what you know you've been called to do because you're afraid to become who they are. I know that was a lot to take down. Fear will have you operating in a support capacity because it's safer. Fear will have you operating in a support capacity for someone who is doing Isaac what you've been called to do because you're afraid to become who they are. Fear will keep you in your shadow. The third thing, and I'm almost finished. What they teach us, what, what Elisha, Elisha teaches me is that when it comes to your shadow calling and becoming the champion that God has called each and every one of us to become, you have to be in constant pursuit of your destiny. You have to be in constant pursuit of your destiny, constant pursuit of your destiny. Every day you wake up, you have to have your calling on your mind. Every day you put on your shoes and you put on your clothes, you have to have your destiny around your waist. It has to be in your heart. You got to make the sacrifice necessary. You don't take days off when it comes to doing what God has called you to do. You have to be in constant pursuit of your destiny. What are you saying? When I was looking at the text, he had been in the support capacity for eight years. And then we arrived at a point where Elijah decided to ask him because he wasn't going away. And then Elijah realized this man is committed not just to me, he's committed to what God is doing through me. Because you could be committed to the man and not the work that's going on through the man. And he said, this man is committed not just to me, but he's committed to the work that, that God is doing through me. And he said, it's time. And God said, it's time. And now I'm going to shift you. And so it became a time where God was now about to shift Elijah. But Elijah said, now... What can I do for you? What is the one question, the one wish, the one request that you have? And he gave him two because that's how we work. He said, what is one thing I can do for you? He said that I can inherit your spirit, your attitude, because I could be a champion with a bad attitude. I can be a champion who is inconsistent. But I want your spirit. I want what people can always see. Give me your spirit and let me be your successor. And that's what got me. Because eight years prior, God told Elijah to go and anoint Elisha to be the prophet. Elijah didn't immediately allow Elisha to assume the role. Eight years later, Elisha asked Elisha, can I be your successor? And that's why I was like, well, why is he asking to be his successor 
if he already knew that this was his role. And so the Lord said, no, Elijah knew, but Elisha never knew. And so Elisha's working in a capacity and he didn't know that he was supposed to be the prophet. But he asked for it. Destiny is not something that is given to you for free. You got to pursue it every day of your life. He asked for something. He didn't know that it was. If he knew he wouldn't have asked to be the successor, he knew his time was coming. If Elisha knew that he was supposed to become the prophet, if he knew this, he wouldn't have asked, can I be, can, can I be the prophet? So there's some element of him walking in the dark because walking in your destiny is terrifying. You don't always know the answer. You don't always understand what's happening. Can I be your successor? He knew that what God had called him to do was an option and not a mandate. And if you leave here with nothing, nothing else, understand something. What God has called you to do is an option, not a mandate. I know I just messed somebody up. What God has called you to do is an option, not a mandate. What God has anointed you, what he has designed you to do is an option. It's not a mandate. God is not going to make you do anything. You have to want to step into the calling. You have to want to do what God has designed and destined you to become. This is why he says, you know, the one thing I want, I want to become that person that succeeds you. I don't just want to be a prophet. I don't want to blend in with mediocrity. I want to be the best thing that I can possibly be. I want to succeed you. And the last thing, the last thing is that Elisha asked to be a successor. He asked him to be the lead prophet. It, it got me. Elisha asked Elijah, can I be the lead prophet? I'm looking at my notes, and I, I want to make sure I get it right. He asked him to be the lead prophet, which was something that was never promised to Elisha. So he asked Elijah, can I be the lead prophet? He was in a support role as a prophet. He was supporting the prophet. And as far as he knows, he was in his calling. Because he's a prophet, he's just supporting the prophet. For eight long years, he's supporting the prophet. He's a prophet, he's just supporting the prophet. There are other prophets who are moving to and fro and doing other things, but he's supporting the prophet. He's doing what Elijah came and, and gave the cloak on him and said, follow me. And he followed him for eight long years. He's supporting the prophet. So, yes, he is in his calling. I've been doing what God has called me to do for 20 years. This is my profession. And yes, I'm doing what God has called me to do for 30 years. This is what I've been doing. But if you look closely, he's in a supporting role of the prophet. And he's now asking to be elevated 
so that he's no longer in the supporting role, but that he's in the leading role. So what are you saying, Isaac? You can be in the right profession, but stuck on the wrong level. You could be in the right calling, but stuck on the wrong level. He is a prophet, and he's supporting a prophet, and this became comfortable for him. He was no longer being challenged. And there comes a season when you're supposed to shift out of the role that you're in so you can continue to be challenged so that God can continue to grow you. But sometimes your shadow calling will lull your senses to sleep so that you can remain comfortable. Make sure that you're not in the right calling, but on the wrong level. Some of us, we're, we're, we're working for the right organization. We're doing the right thing, but we're stuck on the wrong level. You've been there long enough and you need to be excelling a little higher. I know it's going to require something else of you. It's going to require more sacrifice. It's going to require more risk because if you fail, people get to see it. But God called you to take risk, not to be comfortable. Because when you remain in any role, when you remain in any place, any season past its expiration date, it runs the risk of becoming your shadow calling. What was your assignment at one time can become a shadow and a shell of who you're supposed to be. What are you saying? I'm simply saying that at one point of time, I didn't want this position you know the story. I'm going to keep telling you until you can tell it by yourself. <laughs> I didn't want this role. It was not attractive. I got double degrees, double master's degrees. Why am I going to be an intern? Why am I going to be a director? That ain't attractive. That ain't what my colleagues going to see when they look on social media. I do not want this role. What, do I'm, what am I going to do in this role? A singles? I ain't, go, I ain't go to school to be leading singles. What that got to do with anything? Everybody ain't even got a singles ministry. So I didn't even put singles anything on. I just put associate pastor because I ain't, I'm not, I'm not even about to do that. So y'all, so y'all don't want me to be real with y'all? Because I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, Lord, did that what I went to school for? They're going to look, what you do? What? You got a hundred and what loans and you doing what? And so I'm in this role because it's menial work to me. Lord, Lord, an intern? What do you mean an intern? I got to do this and do that. And I got to, that don't, that ain't what I went to school for. But God will anoint you for something and won't yet appoint you to that something because you need development, Isaac. You don't know how to deal with conflict well. You need development, Isaac. Your preaching skills ain't what you think they are. You need to learn how to communicate better. You got to learn the root, the root of multi-ethnic intergenerational ministry. And this is the best platform to do it. You can't see it. But I need you to stay here and I need you to do this. Okay, so I got to accept this and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do it to the best of my might. Because this is my destiny assignment. But even your destiny assignment has an expiration date on it. 
where you got to go back to the source and you got to reevaluate, Lord, is this what I need to be doing in this season? Because there comes a point in time when I need to be an Elijah and there needs to be an Elisha and who I'm shifting out and I'm allowing somebody else to operate in their calling because comfort will keep me in a role that will then become my shadow calling. So you mean the same assignment that God called you to years ago that it has an expiration date on it, although it pays the bills, yes. Although it puts food on the table, yes. Although you're helping people, yes. It still has an expiration date on it because God does not just do work through you, but he does it through a lot of different people. And so what I'm simply saying is, even the singles pastor position can become my shadow calling. If I allow it to. Everything you do. Everything has the ability to become a shadow and a shell of who and what God wants you to be. But you got to remain closely to the source. But God ain't going to bless nothing and nobody if you won't be if you won't be consistent and committed. Because everything began when Elisha said, I'm going to be committed this is reciprocity. I'm not just coming to get from you, Elijah. I'm coming to give to you. I'm coming to be present, not just to get what I need and what I want, because God won't bless that. Lord, we thank you. What eyes have seen, our ears have heard, and our hearts have felt. Lord, we need you. We need you to help us to become the champions that you've called us to become. There is a champion on the inside of each of us, God. And fear wants to keep us from touching or tapping into that champion. But Lord, right now I bind fear into the pits of hell. I bind shame into the pits of hell. Forgive us of our mistakes. Forgive us of, of the things that we have done, God. You can look beyond our mistakes. You can look beyond our faults and still pull the champion out of us, Lord. So, Lord, everyone right now who is under the sound of my voice, Lord, I am praying that you speak to them. You speak to their hearts, that you help them to understand the very thing that you're calling them to do, whatever it is. Help us, God, not to remain in our comfort of predictability. We need to know, but God, when we're walking in our calling, we don't always have the answers. Bless your people like only you can. For those who need prayer, God. Allow them to go to our prayer room to receive the prayer that they need. For those who have never had an encounter with the crucified Jesus Christ and never been saved before God, I am praying, God, that they come forth and that they accept you, God. They accept you, Jesus. They accept the blood of Jesus Christ and the pardon of their sins. Because, Lord, we can't be clean. We can't be well on our own. And for those of us, God, who need to rededicate our lives because we've been out of fellowship for a long time, Lord, let us know, remind us today that you forgive us if we just ask for it. And God, you're always here with your arms held wide. So, Lord, we bless you today. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.